Quan Charles was murdered just months ago. That's right, in somewhere between late October, early November of 2020. While the rest of us, well, at least in the US, were worried about who would win the election, Roxanne Nelson was wondering where her son was. She was wondering if he was safe. She was wondering why the police had not issued an Amber Alert. She was wondering why people had been allowed to just drive away with her son without her permission or knowledge. She was wondering why no one seemed to care. Well, Miss Nelson, some people do care. We care that a mother lost her son. We care that the racial crimes go unpunished. We care that justice is found for Quan, and we care that an end is brought to these unjust systems. If you can't tell, I'm a little fired up about this case this week. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. August 28th, in Money, Mississippi, a 14-year-old black boy from Chicago named Emmett Till was murdered in a racist hate crime. Till had allegedly flirted with a white woman a few days before, so the woman's husband and brother brutally attacked, tortured, and then killed Emmett, throwing his naked and disfigured body into the Tallahatchie River. November 3rd of 2020, 15-year-old Quan Bobby Charles is found naked, disfigured, and left for dead in a sugarcane field in ankle-deep water out in Baldwin, Louisiana. Although these cases look very familiar, the murder of Emmett Till occurred in 1955 during a very dark time in American history when racial tensions were no breaking news but instead a sad, normal reality. So let's go back a few months. 15-year-old Quan was waiting for his mother outside of his dad's house. He had an appointment for a haircut at 3, and she was on her way to get him. It's October 30th, 2020, and I'm assuming sometime just before 3 o'clock, Roxanne Nelson arrives at the home of her ex-husband to pick up their child, Quan, but Quan's already gone. Sometime between 2 and 2.30, footage from across the street, which appears to be a business of some sort, showed Quan getting into a vehicle with another boy and a woman. The video shows Quan sitting outside his dad's house waiting, and then a silver car passes by. Quan is then seen running in the direction of the car that was going, and then disappearing off screen. Several seconds later, the car has turned around and is now pulling into Quan's dad's driveway. Three people are seen exiting the vehicle and heading into the backyard. It is theorized that they went to play with Quan's dog, a dog that had been given to him by those same people. These people were a 17-year-old who went to school with Quan and his mother, Janet Irvin, who was 37. I'm not going to mention the 17-year-old boy's name because he's a minor. Both of whom were white. Neither of them had communicated with Quan's parents about picking him up. Which means that the video shows a 15-year-old getting into the car with an adult that his parents did not know and did not give permission slash consent to take him. But according to the Baldwin Police Department, this report did not meet the criteria of issuing an Amber Alert. And in case you were wondering what that said criteria is, it is as follows. Number one, law enforcement confirms a child aged 17 or under has been abducted. Number two, 
Law enforcement believes the, thir- the circumstances surrounding the abduction indicate that the child is in danger of serious bodily harm or death. Number three, there must be enough descriptive information about the child, abductor, and or suspect's vehicle to believe an immediate broadcast alert will help the case. Baldwin police are claiming that proper protocol was followed, but some point to this statement on the Louisiana State Police website. And it is as follows. What if the case does not meet criteria? It goes on to say, If the current case does not meet Louisiana's criteria, there is a level two action plan called an endangered slash missing child advisory. Louisiana State Police can take the available information from the requesting law enforcement agency and forward that information to all media statewide from the agency's current statewide media contact list. The requesting law enforcement agency and its telephone number will be listed as the contact for the public. A level two endangered missing child advisory may be upgraded at a later time if the facts of the case warrant. The level two does not utilize the emergency alert system and will not interrupt programming. Which means, although Kwan's situation did not meet the criteria for the use of the emergency alert system, there there were still other options for getting Kwan's face out there and his name in front of everyone and possibly saving his life. Roxanne Nelson reported her son missing the evening of the 30th to the Baldwin Police Department. October 30th, obviously but was told that her son was probably at the local football game. Quan's father and a few family members searched several locations in the town, including the ball game, but were unable to locate Quan. At this point, panic began to set in for the Charles family, and understandably, their son was missing and no one was looking for him. But when they finally did, the search was a short one. Quan's naked and mutilated body was discovered on November 2, 2020, at 5 p.m. in a sugarcane field that backs up to Janet Irvin's trailer park. His body was just a mile away from their house. His father was notified the following day, after 10 p.m., and the mother was notified in the early morning hours of November 4th. The sheriff's department waited 30 hours to inform parents that the body was found, What happened in those hours, though? He was already in the system. Why did it take so long to notify the parents? That's something that just baffles me. His name was already in the system, just in case anybody reported him or he showed up at any police department. And when his body was found, with his ID, apparently, the body was identified somehow, parents weren't notified for 30 hours. A cousin to Quan stated that the Baldwin police actually went out on the 3rd with Quan's parents, and they took a drone to fly over the fields in an attempt to find him. Funny, funny part of this story is where the police parked when they went to fly this drone was in the Irvin's driveway. The police claimed they didn't issue an Amber Alert because they claimed the video surveillance showed Quan leaving in the Irwin's car voluntarily, so it was not an abduction. But let's take a quick second to look into that by looking at yet another case that happened just recently on February 4th of 2021, when two teenage girls were almost abducted by a man pretending to be a cop. Now, these two girls were seen on footage 
getting into this car voluntarily. Would they put out an Amber Alert for them? The girls got into the vehicle with the man willingly. You know, of course, thinking he was a cop, but a silent surveillance footage, which is what caught this, can't tell any different. From the outside, this case is the same in that it has a video showing the two teen girls willingly getting into a vehicle and driving off. Now, these girls luckily escaped their attacker, but if they had not, would we have issued an Amber Alert for it? These girls didn't technically meet that criteria either. And on that note, we all know by now that most people who end up kidnapped or murdered are usually done by someone they already know. So maybe we need to look closer at what qualifies as an abduction these days. Should we not take into account when a mother shows up and tells you her 15-year-old son is missing and begs the police to find him that maybe things are not always what they look like? Just because he was a boy, a black boy, no concerns were raised for him. His actions were voluntary. And being taken by someone without his parents' consent was apparently his fault and not an abduction. Isn't this the whole reason we set these systems and laws into place to protect our children? And yet someone, a felon, Janet Irvin, was seen leaving with someone else's son without permission. That's right, Janet Irvin has a history of criminal activity, including drug charges, breaking and entering, and receiving stolen property. And according to court records, she temporarily lost custody of her two children after reports from their father about neglect and domestic violence. He accused her of providing a two-year-old with a beer and dropping him on the floor, also stealing prescription meds and money. But enough about Janet for now. Let's get back to Quan and what's going on here. So once Quan's autopsy was concluded, the Baldwin police informed Miss Nelson, and she requested that this be kept private so she could at least inform the rest of her family beforehand. Autopsy details were released November 13th. Named the case, they named the cause of death drowning, muddy water in airways, hyperinflated lungs, no antemortem injuries, manner of death undetermined, quote, injuries are likely from aquatic activity and no evidence of trauma. Don't forget, this water was ankle deep at the location that his body was found in the sugarcane field. And Quan could swim. The autopsy, not that you need to, you know, in ankle deep water, I'm just saying. The autopsy was leaked to the media against the request of the family. And this was no violation of the law. But in my opinion, extremely indecent. Later on, an independent autopsy was done by the Charles family, which is Quan's father's family. It confirmed drowning as the cause of death, but the matter of death was still undetermined. Also, THC and small amounts of alcohol were found in his toxicology, THC, of course, being the active, psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. So how did he drown in ankle-deep water? Why was he naked? Why was his face so disfigured? He was only in the water for a short period of time. Quan's family made the very hard decision to release the photo from his autopsy because they believe there's too much damage to his face to be from animals or natural causes. The Charleses and the Nelsons, they want the same transparency from the police. 
but are being faced with blame-shifting, stonewalling, and flat-out lies. The photo is seen side-by-side with that of Emmett Till's as, as they are eerily similar, Quan and Emmett, and the family believes this was a racially motivated murder, and that is being covered up by the police and the media. And it seems like anyone who had reported their son missing and alleged this was the person who took them, it would then certainly meet that criteria they were talking about. You know, the one that says, law enforcement believes the circumstances surrounding the abduction indicate that the child is in danger of serious bodily harm or death, right? He's with a convicted felon who has been known to abuse children pretty good i mean it's pretty good danger right there pretty good danger pretty good chance of bodily harm and or death which happened they were informed that kwan was with a felon the police were a felon mind you with a very negative history regarding children and yet they did nothing a dead boy was found in her backyard after last being seen with her why was she not immediately detained and questioned Okay, so not to downplay the racist bullshit going on, but let's think for a second. Removing race from it all, it still doesn't even come close to adding up. A boy is reported missing, was picked up by someone with a history of drug, alcohol, and child abuse slash neglect charges. That person had no consent or permission to pick the boy up. Then he is found dead a mile from this person's house. Even without knowing they're white and black in this whole situation, It still seems obvious to me. The starting point should be the same. Start with the people he was last seen with. Okay, that's all I'm saying. The facts of the case, that's it. That's all we have. But let's talk about a few points I found that are either not being made public or that are being kept quiet to hopefully, as one article put it, Uh, downplay a hate crime during an already aggravated racial time. A neighbor claims when Janet Irvin picked up Quan, they were already tripping on drugs, allegedly shrooms, and that they had cleaned out their car with bleach just after they were last seen with Quan. A private investigator released audio of Janet herself admitting to supplying Quan with drugs and alcohol And then they failed to inform police when he was reported missing, of course, that they had seen him at all. So let's get this straight here. She admitted to him being at the house. She admitted to providing alcohol and drugs to not only her child, but also someone else's, both of whom were minors. Why was she not arrested on that fact alone? Who knows? But but the uh, Irvins tried to capitalize on this missed opportunity by the Baldwin Police Department. Because on November 11th, the Irvins skipped town, loading a U-Haul in the middle of the night and taking off, while the local sheriff's department helped patrol the area. I just used some serious quotes, according to local witnesses and activists. But, check this out. There is some light at the end of the tunnel. Just this month, on Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, Janet Irvin was arrested on charges related to Quan's death. She's charged with failure to report a missing child and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. But this is not the end. Not until someone is charged with Quan's murder. 
the ankle-deep water he drowned in was someone's fault. Whether they held his face down until he stopped moving, or they supplied him with the substances that led to him ending up face down in that water. Either way, Quan and his family deserve better than the actions of the Baldwin police. They deserve more respect, and they deserve more answers. Why did the police department not ping Quan's phone on the day he was reported missing? Why was Janet Irvin only arrested after she had been implicated on audio? Why did they allow her and her family to leave town in the middle of an ongoing investigation in which they were the sole witnesses and suspects? Imagine for a second you were Miss Nelson. Imagine reporting your child missing only for the police to tell you he's probably fine. Imagine you find out a felon took your kid, gave him drugs. Imagine your baby is being found naked, lying in a field, while the wildlife rips the skin off his face. Yes, it's graphic, but it's the truth, and we need to stop softening these truths to make us feel better. If you would be distraught, outraged, and disheartened for your own child, then you should feel the same for this woman's child. Like how our hearts hurt when we heard George Floyd call out for his mom with his last dying breath. Quan's murder is a call to action for all parents to make sure we protect all our children, even, if necessary, from those that are meant to protect us. Now, there's been quite a bit of publicity surrounding Baldwin PD, as well as many other Louisiana police departments like those that held Sandra Bland until she was found dead in her cell, allegedly by a suicidal hanging. Then, when asked to provide the security footage of the event, there appeared to be a glitch in the department's recordings. And we all know the story of Breonna Taylor. These stories are not just media trying to incite a race war, as everyone keeps saying. These are people being killed in cold blood. And because they have the help of local law enforcement, they're getting away with it. I do not intend to sit quietly while these lives are snuffed out. These people, these killers, they need to be brought to justice. Of course, I will continue to follow the Quan Charles case, and I will bring you guys any updates that I find, uh, either via strange shorts or maybe at the end of a future episode. Hopefully, this family will have closure, and Quan will have justice. But as we lead into the Lorne synopsis, I would like to leave you guys with the wise words of Maya Angelou. Quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Maya Angelou. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to give my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The very recent and tragic murder of Kwan Charles, who went missing on October 30th, 2020, in Parrish, Louisiana and was found days later on November 3rd, 2020, in a sugarcane field in Parrish, Louisiana. He was found drowned and beaten 
Um, although that's not what the uh, autopsy report said. It said that he was just drowned, but he was clearly, when you look at the autopsy photos, which his mother has released, I think wisely so, as hard as it is to look at, it's reality. That's, you know, sometimes the hardest stuff to look at is the stuff you need to look at to truly understand what's happened because this boy was clearly beaten and murdered, potentially um, tortured. And the question is who and why would do this? Was it racially motivated? Um, and why did the police take so long to notify state police and put out a, an Amber alert, which could have maybe stopped this from happening or at the very least um, found him sooner and potentially caught the perpetrators of this crime. Um, now he was seen on security camera footage in front of his father's home and being picked up by the, the Irvin family, a 17-year-old boy named Kevin that um, apparently Kwan knew from school. Uh, however, I don't know how long he could have known him because he had just moved to this area to live with his father recently. So I don't know how long he knew. But he got into the car with his mother, Janet, who had a criminal history. Um, and they took uh, Kwan away to their home without Kwan's family's permission um, and without you know them knowing at all what had happened until they saw the security camera footage and they did not know this family. And it was, um, they went back, supposedly, according to the Irvin's uh, statement, they went back to their house and then he, on his own accord, left their house and then he was found, you know, not far from their home in this marsh dead. Um, to me, uh, they need to be heavily looked at as far as potentially being involved in, in this murder because they were the last to be with him. I know um, just recently, this is how recent his case is, just last week on February 11th, Janet Irvin was arrested on charges for failure to report a missing child and contributing to the delinquency of a minor in uh, relation to the Kwan Charles um, incident. Now, I hope that they have been, you know, sitting her down and questioning her hard and trying to figure out. I, I, I still feel like there's going to be breaking news with this case. I'm glad Michael chose to cover this one because it needs to have more press behind it. Something happened to Kwan. I think it's uh, highly likely that it was racially motivated. And also, I think the police need to be scrutinized and they need to have good answers for why they didn't do standard protocol as far as when a, you know, a child goes missing, you put out an Amber Alert. And that's usually very successful in getting back those kids quickly um, because of technology now. It's just, I, to me, I can't understand why you wouldn't do it. You know, you got nothing to lose for putting that out there. Um, so, yeah, I think more will be coming out about this. I think this is far from over. I know the family, the Charles family is not about to let this go and they shouldn't. Um, and if you can go look at the autopsy photos, because it's clear that Kwan did not just fall in two feet of water and drown on his own. He was, he was murdered. There's no doubt about it. So that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right. Excellent synopsis, Lauren. Thank you very much. And I think Lauren is correct in saying that this is the not the last time we're going to hear about Quan Charles. I believe this case is about to hit the media. Um, this is going to be probably a bigger deal than what we think, and rightfully so. There needs to be some answers surrounding this case. There really does. And anytime I find a case like this, regardless of how much or how little information is out there, I'm going to try my best to spread the word. Um, so I really appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully, um, you guys are in interested in this case and following this case as I am. You guys can always 
check the sources below. Below the description, you can check out all the sources. I even linked the article um, of the two girls who got into the car with the man pretending to be the cop that I spoke of earlier. You can see that surveillance video. It's very similar to Quan's um, and compare the two and whatnot. Now, just to be clear, there was not an Amber Alert put out on those girls. But what I'm saying is that the gentleman who took those girls, or the man, the asshole that took those girls actually planned on hurting them. He planned on doing harm, I think, to at least one of them. I think later on he he told one to get out of the car for one reason or another, and he ended up driving off um, with the younger one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. They were 16 and 14, and I think he drove off with the 14-year-old and told the 16-year-old to get out, or vice versa. I'm not really sure. Either way, these girls were found before they were harmed, um, just luckily. But nonetheless, this type of thing, these types of Amber Alerts, especially nowadays. I mean, kids have phones. Can you just can you, can you ping the phone? I mean, this is this is, seems cut and dry to me. This seems like um, like an empathy issue with the police department. This seems like uh, it seems like a race issue. Okay, it does because it is. Um. All right, guys. Well, that's enough of that. I know this case. I got a little fired up over this case, and rightfully so. I think if you guys spent any time looking into it and studying and reading articles and whatnot, I feel like you you also would get fired. At least I hope you would. I hope you would. Injustices like this, they can't be they can't be tolerated. I mean, as a parent yourself. If you are a parent yourself, then you know what I'm saying. You, you would you would stop at nothing to find one of your children or to help your child see justice in a wrongdoing. You would stop at nothing. So, guys, as always, thank you for listening. Um, a great way to help the show besides just listening and subscribing and telling friends and family and whatnot and spreading word about these cases is you can leave a review. You can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, can't leave a review on Spotify yet. Not really sure what that's all about. You know what, though? Reviews... I don't really care if they do away with reviews on podcasts, honestly. I think people should listen to them and make their own assumptions because people like and dislike such such specific and particular things about podcasts, I've noticed. So you never really know if you're going to like something, right? So maybe we should just abolish reviews altogether. Maybe Spotify's on the right track. Fuck reviews. But anyways, subscribe. Tell your friends. Appreciate that very much. And if you guys just want to support the podcast some way and you want some extra content, maybe you want to hear my voice a few other times a week, that's fine. You know, whatever. Uh, you can join Patreon. Patreon.com slash podcast. And for just three bucks a month, you guys can get early access to these free episodes on Thursdays through the Patreon app. And also, another show that I release on Mondays called Strange Shorts. So you'll still get your Monday fix. Don't worry, you freeloaders. You'll still get your Monday fix, okay? But you also get the new Sandu on Thursday. That's, hey, huh, huh? Three bucks? Not much, not bad. But five bucks a month, you guys get that, as well as the Strange and Unexplained sticker. And I also planning on adding a lot more to that $5 tier soon. Hopefully more visual things, more video. Um, I'm in the process of building a new studio right now, so fingers crossed that'll be done soon, maybe within the next few weeks, or maybe sooner, maybe a lot sooner. We'll see. Just depends if I can get some good weather to work on it, you know what I'm saying? So when I get that done and have a nice area with good lighting, 
to film and I can bring you guys quality content that you deserve. All right. So thank you guys so much. Um, also, check out merch, truecrimeguys.threadless.com. Truecrimeguys.threadless.com. You can find Strange and Unexplained merch there as well, guys. There's two Strange and Unexplained designs. One looks like a, um, like a local rock band show poster or a flyer. You know how people used to put up on poles or on sides of buildings or whatnot? When they were playing a local show, you know, before the internet, before you would just make a Facebook event and, like, two people say they're going. But before that, you would put up flyers. And this one thing for the show is, this design made for the show is done in that style. And then I also have another design where it's just the font of Strange and Unexplained, True Crime Guys Productions. True Crime Guys presents Strange and Unexplained, rather. Just like it's on the logo, minus the dinosaurs and all that. So, if you guys are interested in any of those designs, uh, please check out truecrimeguys.threadless.com. And guys, there's not just shirts and hoodies there. I mean, there's coffee mugs, there's stickers, there's mouse pads, there's art prints, there's all kinds of shit. Stickers for your cell phone, or cases for your cell phone, rather. There's just all kinds of stuff on Threadless. And the turnaround is great. The quality is great. I ordered myself a shirt, a True Crime Guys production TV logo shirt the other day. It came in the mail. It looks great. I'm going to be putting up some social media posts showing you guys very soon. So thank you for all of your support. Thank you for spreading the word about not only this show, but also the cases that it spreads light on. And guys, remember, be strange. Just don't be a stranger. All right? We'll see you next time.